As much as it is loved and followed, rock and roll as a genre of music is largely comprised of snake oil salesmen employing smoke and mirrors, practicing doublespeak. Trust me, I sing rock and roll for a living. I'm anything but a schooled musician. I can't read music. I didn't take a course on performance. What I have been doing for the last 21 years is a summation of happy accidents, spontaneous outbursts, and improvised gobbledygook. When I see televised talent shows like American Idol, The Voice, and The X Factor, where hordes of people are more than willing to undergo public humiliation and risk having their dreams dashed in front of millions, I see how lucky I am to have pretty much stumbled into doing what I do. Truth be told, I started singing in bands because nobody else wanted to do it. I found out through trial by fire, when I sang, I'd get a reaction. It boosted my confidence, but silently, I knew that I had no idea what I was doing. But, of course, I wasn't playing jazz. It was only rock and roll. And the first lesson on the first page of the rock and roll handbook does say to throw the handbook out the window. So, I did just that. And pretty much winged it till, well, I'm still winging it to this day. Often what decides what makes or breaks a band are the voices that anchor the music. You can have the best group of musicians playing the best songs, but if that voice fronting it all sounds like nails on a chalkboard, nothing is going to make that band sound good. When you find a band you like and stick with them, it's usually the singer you get attached to the most. Ozzy's voice David Yao's voice, Lemmy's voice, Paul Stanley's voice, they've all become part of some of the most personal and pivotal times of my life. Certain voices take me back to when I was 11, or 16, or 25. It gets to the point where just to hear that person sing, no matter in what context, triggers an emotional response. So I get why people get super attached to singers and how singers can seamlessly move on to the next project with audience intact. It's the reason why Ozzy did so well going solo, while Iomi and Butler had to go through up-and-down periods. Someone who possesses a voice that I am attached to and know fairly instantly is Eric Wagner, legendary singer for Trouble a band credited with being one of the first disciples of Sabbath and the progenitor of the modern doom metal genre. I first heard them when they were signed to Rick Rubin's Deaf American label and released their self-titled fourth album. I then found their Psalm 9 album in a pile of records that were being given away. And that was it. I went back, I got the skull, and Run to the Light on CD, and ten years ago they released their reunion album, Simple Mind Condition. But while the band has trudged onward, it's been without Eric. Eric has been anything but quiet, though. These days, he sings in two, count them, two bands. The Skull, which also features Ron Halsner and Jeff Olson from Trouble, playing old Trouble songs and also releasing new material, like 2014's For Those Which Are Asleep, 
and Eric's other band, Blackfinger, a doomy tour de force that have released two albums. 2014's self-titled debut, seems like 2014 was a busy year for Eric, and just this past September, Blackfinger released their follow-up album on M-Theory Audio called When Colors Fade Away. If you like the Eric Wagner trouble, Blackfinger are the band that will be your fix. I want to thank Clay Marshall at M-Theory Audio for hooking this talk up with Eric. It was nice to catch up on everything Eric was doing leading up to this too. Never ever meeting him, I was a little nervous to talk to him, but as you will hear, he put me to ease right away. Thanks to Blue Mic Microphones, thanks to Skull Candy Headphones for their support of the podcast, and thanks to everyone who has left a rating or a review in the, the iTunes store. Thank you. It helps the podcast, and the podcast is looking good with these reviews, so really, seriously, thanks a lot, and please, if you haven't done it, do so if you can. Here it is. This is The Voice of Trouble, and now Blackfinger. I can't believe he's on this podcast. Trouble fans unite. Mr. Eric Wagner is this episode's guest on the official Danko Jones podcast. And it starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best around. They play the kid as Danko's crew will tell them for free. I'm so glad I like to sometimes. Jimmy in from fucked up. Stop playing. Hang down. Down. Shove it up your ass, cause I will. Don't you dare say that shit about Denko Jones. Man, his podcast is the best in the whole world. Did you hear me? The best podcast in the whole fucking world. Listen to the Denko Jones podcast. Listen to the Denko Jones podcast. If you know that disco and rock and roll aren't supposed to mix and we all know how great a rock guitarist Danko is but when I accompanied him one night to a disco nightclub I watched in awe as Danko tore up the dance floor he was like Danny Terrio, John Travolta and Adrian Zemed all rolled into one when he was finished dancing the music stopped and everyone applauded the two of us immediately left the club and ended up in a blues bar where I watched Danko jam on CCR and Chuck Berry covers till dawn. It was amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready because the Danko Jones podcast starts.
Hello, Eric. Yes, sir. Hey, how you doing, man? I'm good. Um, it's a it's an honor to speak to you. Uh, this just was uh, dropped into my lap. I had no idea I'd be speaking to to you this week. This is amazing. Cool. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, when Clay reached out to me saying that uh, you had a new album coming out, I have to admit I I was a little behind on Blackfinger. Um, I'm always behind, so don't feel bad. <laughs> uh, well, I did. I did have to play a little bit of catch up, and uh, I'm I'm really uh, apologetic because the last time uh, I heard of any output from you was Simple Mind Condition, and um, when I'd hear the name The Skull on, I'd read about or see the name on online or something. I'd always say to myself. Those guys don't know they named their band after a Trouble album. Oh yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> actually, we, I named actually I named it after the movie The Skull. Right, it was nineteen sixty five. That's what I usually tell people. Okay, <laughs> just uh, you know, uh, I think Peter Cushing was in it or whatever. It's Vincent Price. I don't know. I can't remember. Right. Okay. Um, I'm sure there's a, a movie buff out there who's got the poster somewhere. Yeah, it's it's really a pretty good movie actually. I mean, it's you know it's a '65 uh, horror movie, so it's pretty primitive by today's standards. But it's funny, you know, especially the skull going around in there. You could, if it was an Ed Wood movie, you'd be able to see the strings, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know those old movies. If you turn off the lights and watching it at midnight, it still is scary as hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like watching old movies, black and white. They seem more real. Yeah, you know? yeah. Especially today with these 3D TVs and all that crap. Yeah. It doesn't look... I, I didn't grow up like that. It doesn't look right to me. You know, it looks... It almost looks like you're watching them filming the movie or the show instead of actually watching it, you know? Yeah, it's like... It's, a, weird. it's weird. It's like a modern-day version of, like, those old claymation when they would make the... The monsters out of clay and you'd think that was scary <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah like i was saying i'd see the the name the skull and i think like either it's some sort of tribute to trouble or those guys are so young they have no idea what they named their band after but then i find out it's actually three guys from trouble and man i really had egg on my face i had to go back and really catch up man like yeah. the last time I, I heard of anything from trouble was simple mind condition and i actually went and i saw you on that tour uh where, saw, where at where are you at anyway i'm, I'm in toronto oh so yeah, i saw yeah, you at, i think we played there yeah lee's palace <laughs> but the one thing that kind of screwed with my head and I, I have to admit uh for the whole time i was watching it i didn't know if i was actually watching you or a new singer because you, am I wrong that you cut your hair? Uh, back then, yeah, because I was, um, after Plastic Greenhead and I left Trouble then and I, uh, I think I did a lit album yes. right then and then I just ran away from the music business and, um, I was just tired of, I don't know, I just needed a, a change i guess and i cut it off so probably when you seen me it was like in the in them stupid stages my hair being curly is a 
it, I hate it when it's growing out. It, it gets to a point where it looks stupid to me, you know. But so you, that's probably when you caught me. So I haven't caught it since, really. Yeah, I was expecting you looking like you know uh, at the end of my days, and then <laughs> and then you came. I didn't know if it was you, and I still didn't know at the end of the show. And uh, you had those um, kind of those circular Lennon glasses you were wearing on stage. Yeah, maybe. And so the cover <laughs> of Simple Mind Condition has a guy wearing those glasses, and I thought that was the new singer because he had the same glasses. I was totally confused. <laughs> well, actually, that album cover, actually, those are coins. Oh, okay. And, oh. and the way we, yeah, the way we, it was a, actually, that's a real person. We, I, I had this book on the supernatural or whatever. And it was, that picture was in there by an unknown photographer. He's, it's a real guy, dead guy. And he had the coins and the way we did it in that white and blue and everything, it right. made, it look like there was a light shining on it. Right. You know, okay. like it was lit up almost. So I'm right. like, that's pretty cool. Let's use that, you know, <laughs> right. that he's looking at the bright light, you know, since he's dead. It made sense to me, I guess. It I, makes sense to me now. Yeah, I get it. I, I, for, I, you know, you look at these things really quickly and, and then you just make an assessment these days. Yeah. <laughs> and I loved why, I, I, I mean, at first, the working title for that album was called Seven, just because it was our seventh record. Okay. So after we kind of had that cover, Chuck, our, our bass player at the time, he also does computer graphics and stuff. We we did that, and I had it on my computer screen, and I never noticed it. And after a couple of weeks of looking at it, because I put it up to, you know, just to get ideas and to stare at it and see where to go lyrically and all that shit. But all of a sudden, I noticed out of the corner of his head, there's a seven. Oh. And... Uh, we did not put it there. It was it's in the photograph. So I'm like, oh my god, this is awesome. Then simple mind condition is it simple mind condition or is it simple mind condition? So all of a sudden it had two different meanings to me. Even you know, and I'm like, this is cool. You know, a couple guys in a band, nobody's ever going to catch that. I'm like, well then, good. But I did. I right. know. Right. You know. Right. So little trivia. Oh, that's great. I, I love all the little trivia, man. <laughs> well, uh, okay, so now, okay, now that I'm all caught up and you did mention Lid, Lid kind of answered the question that I had, which was from 95 to Simple Mind Condition, uh, Plastic Greenhead to Simple Mind Condition, what you, what you were doing. But it was just this one lone project called Lid, which was reminiscent of trouble mainly because you were singing but also uh, a little bit of a departure and then like what what were you doing for all those years if i may ask uh was it anything musical you said you cut your hair and left but yeah no you know i had a family of five to feed and stuff so i kind of right went out and actually got a job okay um to try to help support and everything and then uh I can't remember exactly when it was, but all of a sudden I came home one day and there was a message on my machine from, well, it turned out to be Dave Grohl, but uh, he, he's like, yeah, I'm doing this pro project called ProBot and I wanted you to to write lyrics to one of the songs. And I, 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 he was getting his favorite singers that he grew up listening to. Yeah. He was a huge fan of the Skull record when he was a kid in Virginia or wherever he's from, but... Um, so I thought it was just a, like, yeah, right, you know. So I didn't even bother with it. And two weeks later, he called back, and 
I answered, and I'm, I'm like, I'm going to give it to this guy, like whoever the hell this is. But it was him. <laughs> it was him, and I'm like, I was a little scared at first a little bit because he sent me the track, you know, and I didn't know if I could still do it. I, I, I swear there was a blank piece of paper for about two weeks sitting there, and I was getting a little bit like, oh, my God, I can't write anymore. So then all of a sudden I did, and we did the records great, you know, and I I don't know if I should blame him or thank him, but um, after that, like, that's when I called the guys and we kind of kissed and made up and got back and did a record and a tour again and stuff like that. So that's what I was doing. I did Lid, and then the ProBot Project got me back. Wow. And uh, we did Simple Mind Condition, and then 2008, I guess I left again. Well, I loved uh, uh, Simple Mind Condition. I loved ProBot. I had no idea that the ProBot project was what started that, that kickstarted that record. That's amazing. Like, Yeah, like I said, I don't know if I should thank him or blame him. You know? <laughs> right, right. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, these things with bands and, and breaking up and, and all that stuff. I know it's, it's sensitive, sensitive stuff. So, I mean, I've... I, I can definitely tread around it, um, but my question is more: I, as as someone who is in a band myself, like full time, I've been doing it for so long that I joke around, but it's truthful that I have no more life skills. I've been doing this for too long that I haven't kept up with with anything that would make me a viable employee in the workforce. So, dude, how- I know exactly what you're talking about, man. I mean. I just finish every time I finish the record. It's like I, I get so involved in it that, that that's all I'm doing, and I don't yeah. pay attention to anything that's around me. I stay locked in my room and trapped inside my mind, and everything, every thought, and I don't know how to escape from it either. Like to t- like some people when they go get a job, they can punch the time clock and they go home, have a beer, and that's the end of it. Yeah, go back tomorrow. I can't do that, and so when I am finished. And I go back outside, I'm like, most of the time the world has changed. Yeah. And actually not probably for the better, at least not what I see or feel, you know. But, And I'm like totally lost. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know what, I mean, it's just like bizarre. And it's always really kind of been like that, especially these last few albums and stuff. But um, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I don't know either how to do it anymore but you you, you, know? you said you did it you after lid you you quit the industry and you you got a job and you supported your family well, then that that was 25 years ago okay but now you know after simple mind condition uh and then i left trouble in 2008 i started just writing on my own and ever since then i haven't done any of that so yeah i've oh, been wow. out of all that for almost 10 years now Oh, you know, wow. In April, I left Trouble April of 2008, so that's almost 10 years ago now. Yeah, yeah. So when I got, I just finished my third record since 2000. And, actually, I took a couple of years just, I don't know, fucking off like. and I, like I, it was, I went through two divorces at the same time, one with Trouble and one with Ex-Wife, and I have to admit I wasn't actually handling it very well. Right. You know, back out in the life thing and all that. And I right. thought I, the only way that I'm going to get through this is if, if I do what I'm supposed to be doing, and that's to go write and start writing. And that's what I did. And 
and like I said, now I got I'm just finished my third record, and I'm just about to start on a new skull record. So, so yeah, so yeah, this is all I know how to do. Yeah, that's. I mean, <laughs> it's it's. Uh, I joke about it, but in the back of my head, I'm terrified. You know? Because yeah, because I don't know. Because this is. I'm surprised I still get to do this. Actually, you know, I'm, now it's more turned into something that I'm more grateful for because I love it. And working on new music is my favorite thing about being in a band anyway not live is fun at, at first but then it gets kind of old it's every day get up go to the next city you know blah blah yeah. blah it's the same shit everybody wants to party with you yeah <laughs> you know it's it's fun to leave and even and just as fun to come home so working on new music is one of the only thing that kind of gets me high anymore i uh, i fully understand yeah it makes my soul happy it's so i tend i know some people don't define themselves for what they do but, you know, and, and I think in my case, it isn't really what I do. It's who I am, and I have to do it. It's the only way I can express my feelings and stuff. I'm not very good at those things. Right. So I, writing it in a song is, uh, you know, and the high, the high when you're done and listening to it is so, maybe that's one of the reasons I can't relate to the outside world when I'm finished, because it's the high, and you got to, whatever goes up must come down, you know, and. And all of a sudden, it's all this shit, you know, and I'm like, yeah, oh man, what am I going to do? Yeah. You know, and, and, and obviously, it's not going to last forever. So then what am I going to do? You know, maybe maybe I could be like everybody else and just be on stage until I drop. That would be okay, too, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that you're handling it quite quite fine with two bands, I mean, oh my God! It's not easy. I'm telling you, I'm saying lyrics and the wrong songs. Man. <laughs> we, I got out of the studio with a skull, and I had to do some Blackfinger shows. And I swear to God, <laughs> the first or or was it the other way around? I can't remember. I think Blackfinger, <laughs> dude. I was singing skull lyrics and shit, and in the songs. And I guess when I got to the trouble stuff, like I went on autopilot. I mean, that's just etched in my brain, but. So, yeah, it's not easy sometimes. And right now, both of my worlds are in the same room. So I have shows coming with Blackfinger. And I also have a, a week or so, a week and a half with the Skull coming next month, too. So, yeah, it's not easy. And I don't remember shit anymore. So I got like three different sets of lyrics I got to remember now. <laughs> you know, oh, my God. I got a, a uh, poor man's teleprompter. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I, I used to make fun of, of people with teleprompters until I started to use a poor man's teleprompter. Yeah, it's just a piece of paper and a pen I use, like, is all. Yeah, but, with, like, with key words that help you, right? Yeah, you know, and it was funny, I was watching uh, uh, Storytellers with David Bowie, and the guy comes out, and he looks down, he can't see it, because I was on a smaller stand, he picks it up, and it's a lyric book, and he's like, what's this? And Bowie's like, uh, well, if I don't have it, I don't remember anything. And if I do have it, I remember most. Right. right. I'm like, well, I don't feel so bad anymore because I'm not the only one, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. And no one's going to laugh at Bowie because he, he, everyone thought he was too cool. So if Bowie says yeah. it's okay, then it's okay. It's okay. Man. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I also find uh, I write on my hand sometimes <laughs> on, on, on the out outside of my hand uh near yeah. my thumb for keywords well i sometimes look over i don't remember the lyric 
when the song starts yeah. until it's time to sing sometimes. <laughs> right. Or I'd look over at somebody or the used to be with trouble with the crew guy. What's the first line? <laughs> yeah, 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 well, you know, <laughs> it seems like drummers always know the lyrics to the songs. Like, so I always looked around and like, what's the first word? <laughs> you know, so and there's people in the front row of the audience. Sometimes there's a guy that always comes to the show. He knows them better than I do. Yeah. I've watched so, people's mouths. Yeah, so I ask them sometimes, too. What's the first line of the song? <laughs> so whatever. You know, what am I going to do? I can't help it. Have you ever turned around to your bandmates and gone, where the fuck are we? Yeah. <laughs> and then they're, they've probably done the same thing. You've looked around at each other and say, where the fuck is he? You know? <laughs> I'm always like, don't you dare follow me. You guys play the music yeah don't worry about me if i fuck up i know and i'll come back in right but don't you dare follow me it'll be a train wreck <laughs> you know so whatever and then and speaking about like the detachment of being on tour when i get home things have changed like storefronts have changed they're out of business new ones have come in yeah like it's it's people don't don't understand that the touring musician you you're always you you constantly feel alienated, which I guess helps in the music somehow. Well, I don't know. It's always you know some things are repetitious on tour, but some things are not. Some things because it's always even though it's the same situation, but there's different people. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're in different countries, there's different cultures, different foods, different way people talk. Like you know that we make fun of and shit on the on the van, so we humor ourselves at the eight hour drive we got to do you right know? right but you know uh, like i said it's fun at first and you know last year i got to go we never been to norway and it was the first time too so there are things from time to time that you haven't done before which is sometimes it seems like that you did everything especially when i'm at home what's there to do i did it already right you know, this is, you know but so I, you know, we got to go to Norway. We got to play Copenhagen and stuff. And I never been, I never got to play there. Went through it, but never played. So there are like things sometimes that, you know, that make it worthwhile. And all the friends that we that we've made over the years that we get to see from time to time over there. I love going over to Europe. I've been going there since I was a kid. So it's always a treat to to go there. You know. Yeah, we spend most of our touring time over there in Europe because I feel that heavy music lives in Europe now. Well, those people, I think, are more loyal to the things they like. And they're, they're, it's funny sometimes, you know, here concerts are so different, you know. People mm -hmm. aren't, it seems like people aren't paying attention. Right. They're just out having a good time. They got their stupid phones in the air filming, taking pictures instead of actually watching the show. But over there... They don't want to hear your bullshit or anything. They're standing there with what they want to hear and watch you play. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, they take it very seriously. And there is no, there's just as many people in the front row standing there with their arms crossed watching as there are in the back. You right. know? Right. So that's, it's, it's hard sometimes when you first go over there like again. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I think there's more of a hunger to see you sing and perform live because am I wrong in saying that trouble didn't get to go over Europe too much when you were in the band? Actually starting with 
the first self-titled Deaf American record. Oh. Is when we started going over. And oh, then by okay. Plastic Greenhead, we made friends with the uh, festival and Dynamo Festival guy. He was like one of our guys that looked after us over there. And we just started going all the time then. Oh, okay. Um, all right. And then we signed with a German label after that. And so, yeah, now since then, we've been going all the time. Like, and it's, uh, I still love it going over you know it's kind of i feel like at home sometimes when i go there especially in germany i'm from i mean my parents are from there so we used to go all the time right so it seems like every time we land there i feel like oh this is cool glad to be back you know glad to be home you know right, right. so right. It, that kind of feeling you know yeah and uh the i mean the festivals in in germany are incredible yeah, you can't have that here for some reason. I don't know why. People are fucking stupid sometimes, or act stupid rather. Yeah, I this, say they are. Yeah, they're getting. Know. Someone's gonna screw it up. Yeah, they just can't have any fun, you know. And over there, like they people look forward to these things, you know. And especially in Holland, they're always behaved, and and you know, if somebody's out of line here, smoke a fucking joint and settle down, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> right. it's like, gee, geez, like, is this really real, you know? So. I love Holland. It's one of my favorite places on earth. Oh yeah, yeah. Whole Benelux is yeah. There's it's great, especially the the festival culture there is so tuned in and and so organized. Yeah, Roadburn. We I, we love going there. So it's oh, like yeah. we just played. Was it last year? I think yeah, or two years ago. I can't remember now. Yeah, that's but, a. I mean, I'd love to play that festival, but we're. I don't think we we qualify. I think uh, we're a little more pop on the pop end of things or poppier than what they're right. looking for right but well yeah walter he likes the heavy shit you know and the, yeah and stuff so yeah that's what that festival is like yeah we've played the venue the, the where roadburn have the festival but yeah. i think we're we're just a little too kind of not mainstream but more rock than right the kind of stuff they they want but yeah right. i'd love to attend Oh, it's a blast. Yeah, you know? I can imagine. And it's just as much fun out in the streets as it is inside the venue. So, <laughs> right. you know. <laughs> um, so so with these two bands, because I don't see too many people with the two bands that stylistically are are not too dissimilar from each other. And you yourself say you've, you, you sometimes confuse the lyrics and stuff like that. But my thing is, hearing you say that live shows and touring is sometimes gets to be a little much you you you, you seem to be you, you seem to have made yourself constantly on tour because of these two bands right or well I mean, blackfinger doesn't really tour i mean we did a few shows with the first album and I, right now we got like only four shows booked with this blackfinger lineup oh okay. and it's once and it's once a month until like I think we have one in October, November, December, and then one in February in New York. We play in Buffalo actually on December second. Oh so, man, I, I'm I'm on tour. I would have driven down. Yeah. So we that one band. That's you know that Blackfinger's my my baby, and right. I'm raising it and raising it very carefully. Right. You know, homeschooling it and shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but the skull. That's more like. That's more like trouble in a way. Like, you know, mm -hmm. we can all tour and we all love doing it. And, you know, so 
I, I have two different creative outlets. Like I said, Blackfinger. The only reason to me they sound similar is because I'm singing. Maybe that's um, what I'm. And hearing. lyrically, there is no difference. If it's just me, I don't. There's no songs I say. Well, those lyrics are Skull lyrics, and those are Blackfinger. Those are Twelve. There's no such thing to me. It's if you listen to the first album, the first song, all the way up, every single song in a row till this Blackfinger record is all one life. So I can't lyrically, I can't distinguish bands at all. Right. Uh, it's just it's just me musically. It's different because there's just different people and different way they play, the different way they write. Mm. You know, they bring me their riffs. I put them together, things that I like and or how I need them to go for me to sing to it because it seems like sometimes guitar players don't pay attention to how somebody's going to sing to it. Yeah. You know, they, they, they're into their riff land and <laughs> solos and all that shit. Like, so, <laughs> you know, so I have to, like, sometimes, and they get a little... Oh man, I'm like, well, dude, I can't sing to that shit. Listen, you know, what am I going to do to it? Yeah, I can. <laughs> right. It's not that it's a bad part or anything, but maybe that's not the spot for it, you know. So everybody, it's everybody in the band needs to be able to do their thing. I don't know any other way to put it. It's about everyone. It's not just about one person, you know. And everybody needs their little thing and. When I work with other bands, like and singers and shit, you know, I've like pushed the button. Hey, did you hear what the bass just did there? No. I go, you know why? No. Because you're fucking singing over it. You know? <laughs> fucking let the music breathe. You know, put find your pocket that you are comfortable in. Right. You don't have to sing from the moment the song starts till it ends. Like, you know, there's no... So I'm from the school of less is more. Right, right. So I, I love singing a line, and all of a sudden there's like a little guitar lick or a, or what the drummer did or something. That's just what makes it to me, you know? Mm -hmm. So you need everybody. There's a reason there's five guys in the band. It ain't about one person. Um, so And I don't like, same with Blackfinger. I didn't want it to be the Eric Wagner project. I like being in a band and getting everybody involved in the writing process and it, they make it. They feel like they're part of the band then, instead of you're just a hired guy or something, you know. Yeah. And and we're all friends anyway, so why, why treat somebody, you know, different than, than others? Like it doesn't make sense. And the the problem sometimes lies where that individual person needs to come to terms what he brings to the table and what he can or cannot do. Mm -hmm. So don't be mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> well it, it, with Blackfinger has it been a, a consistent lineup is it a solid lineup from album to now the second album no first album is a completely different lineup I was living in at home and outside of Chicago at that time and right after writing and stuff I, I decided to I wasn't going to I was just kind of doing acoustic singer songwriter type shit and then all of a sudden, you know, after a while, I got the little itch again, and I put the band a band together with just friends that I kind of grew up with that used to be in bands backing us up. Right, and okay. Stuff. And, and so we did that. We ended up working on that, and that came out pretty cool, I thought, you know. And So I ended up moving to Pittsburgh um, about two and a half years ago or whatever. Okay. So Dave, our drummer, Dave Snyder, 
he lives here, and he actually was the touring drummer during the Plastic Greenhead tour. Oh, okay. So he came over and, uh, hey, man, let's do something. Right. right. Like, all right, what? You know, and, they, and they're all, he's like, man, we should just do Blackfinger. You already did the work for it. Why do something new? And, then, and I'm thinking that, you know, that could be pretty cool. Like, it'd be a, a little thing, like, where it's a completely different lineup, but it's still Blackfinger. And it's, it was a challenge to me, which at the time I needed, kind of. So, you know, he brought the bass player in, Matt Cross. I love the guy. What an awesome bass player he is. And uh, and Matt Tewitt, actually, he is from Chicago originally. So I knew him already, and I asked him if he wanted to be a part of it. And then he brought Terry Weston because they were in penance together. Oh, okay. So that's how that all came about, you know, and. And we worked on that record for a couple of years, actually, it, from start to finish. I mean, so. it's very impressive. Uh, it's heavy as hell. And, uh, of course, your singing is such a stamp on it. So, yeah, it's it's uh, people got to hear it. It's really, really good. Well, that's cool. I'm glad we signed with who we did. Marco's an awesome guy. I've known him since Metal Blade days. You know, and, and then he signed us trouble to, to Century Media when we were during Plastic Green Hat. So... Uh, when I saw that he was starting his little old label up, I kind of contacted him and, and, you know, he wanted to sign me right away. And I asked him, do you want to hear the demos or something? He's like, nah, you know, I, I love everything you do. And I'm like, so I didn't sign with him at first because I didn't want, I didn't want him to sign me because, because of me. What if the album sucked, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I waited he didn't know this, but he, I waited till I was done with it, and I called him back up because I thought he didn't really want to sign with me. I'm like, dude, I was working on the record. I was busy, like, and now, uh, now I'd like for you to hear it, like, and he loved it, and that's so that ended up be the reason. I mean, sure, it was because it was me, and he's been a fan forever. But I wanted, like I said, I wanted him to sign it because I he thought the record was good, you know. So he's been doing a great job, and I've been doing tons of interviews and shit, and you know, so it's been fun. Reminds me of the old days a little bit. Getting back out there and really. Well, it's nice. It's nice being on like a label again, where the people that are working for you or with you are know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. You know, a lot of these labels today. I don't want to say anything bad, really, but. A lot of them are just guys in their basement and putting out records. There's no, no uh, uh, recording advances. There's no tour support. There's no nothing. Yeah. You know, they make a couple hundred albums, sell that, and that's the end of it. I'm like, oh, gee, thanks. You know, I just spent two years on this, and you know. Yeah. So it's cool, you know, to be Marco's got that old school mentality, even though he realizes today's market is a little bit different. So that's what I love about him. And that's and me too. I'm still old school too. The way I record, the way things should be done, you work the record. Just because you got Pro Tools in your bedroom doesn't mean you know how to record a record. No. You know? Absolutely not. So even though you could these days, but you still have to know what you're doing. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Now, with uh, the new Blackfinger album, and you've got these four gigs, you just you, you told me um, that you were about to start writing the next Skull record. Is that true? Yes. So you're actually like, you're basically like 
jigsawing back and forth between the two, right? I yeah. Ever since, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's like yeah. Ever since that first Blackfinger came out that we were working on that, it just seems like that. I, I just need to write, and it's like I—I I made a little bit of mistake. Is right after we were done recording Blackfinger, tried to jump into the Skull record, and I couldn't do it. You know, I needed a little break and everything to collect my thoughts and to yeah. get that out of my head and all that. But um, they were—they've been working on the music during all this time, and then I—they send it to me. What do you think? And I do that. But as far as writing lyrics go, I've been just kind of chilling and you have to live life a little bit, I think in mm-hmm. order to, in order to know what to write about, you know? Right. Right. So, I mean, you're writing some, you're writing very personally. So yes. So I'm about halfway done right now, you know, and I hit the little wall and I got, I, you can't force it. So I walked away from, I haven't really touched anything the last couple of weeks or so month or I don't know. I don't know what's going on, dude. So, um, yeah, it's getting to be about time. I had an idea for something. I keep, when I'm watching movies or walking around or something, I jot little ideas down, and there's going to come a time when I sit and listen to the new tracks and uh, and just start, you know? When, it, when it's finally finished, um, <clears throat> because Ron and Jeff are, you know, of course, such pros um, when it comes to touring, will the Skull tour more than Blackfinger, you think? Oh, yeah. The Skull's always been a touring band. Like, I mean, we'll we'll do the, whatever we have to campaign. You know, probably go over to Europe next year and shit like that. And we're we're gonna we have a little time frame in, in, in our minds, like to hand the record in so we can do some spring summer festivals in Europe and shit like that. So um, we have it in our minds to maybe hopefully come out with the record and late spring, May or something. Shoot, okay. We'll see, you know? Yeah. So we're going to, the plan right now is we get, I get back from a little tour with them on November 11th. And that week we're going to go in and lay down drum tracks for the album. So oh, okay. I have time yet to write lyrics and stuff. And if I don't have them, I don't have them. I'll just have to wait, you know, but I, like I said, I can't force it. And I'm not at this stage of my career going to, just throw something out there either you know right yeah so it's got to be good otherwise why do it you know well at least at least good to me you know so yeah will blackfinger uh make uh appearances on the festival circuit next summer or i don't know you know i mean if if we're asked i guess maybe we would we probably would consider it Mm -hmm. and everything it depends you know the the guys in blackfinger they have you know, jobs and lives and things. Right. Okay. That makes it difficult to tour for them. But if there's cool shit to do, um, gonna have to do it. You know, and if Sabbath comes and asks us to tour with, I'm gonna do it. And whoever can, I guess I'll have to replace them. <laughs> right. You know, it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, see you later. We're doing this. <laughs> well, hell yeah, we are. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great, man. Well. Um, I mean, I had a whole bunch of questions, but I think we went into a, a direction that I was really excited to talk to you about. Um, mainly the skull and Blackfinger. You know, there's enough trouble talk. Uh, I'm sure you you get that with all 
your interviews, I just wanted to kind of focus on those two bands. Yeah, um, can't because, help it, I guess. Yeah, but I find it very interesting that <coughs> you are doing two heavy bands simultaneously, and uh, and it's working for you. So I wanted to actually just ask you about all that. So thanks a lot for your, for doing this with me. Yeah, hey man, my pleasure. It's, uh, like I said before, at this stage. I'm really surprised that I still get to do this. You know, I never in a million years thought I'd be 58 years old sitting here with a brand new album out and talking to people about it. Like, it's awesome. So I really appreciate it. Well, as a, as a singer myself, what's very impressive to me is two things about your voice is, A, um, I don't think it's it, – a lot of singers, uh, their voice depletes, and yours has actually grown and gotten stronger to me to my ears and it's such a signature it's such a signature voice um well it's lower now yeah um you know i've smoked for 40 years so um i don't know if that you just get older like but the one person that i credit being able to still do this was his name was ron anderson he's a vocal coach out in l.a and I went to him during Manic Frustration, and he taught me, and I try to convey this to singers and stuff, he taught me to use my voice to play to the strengths of it instead of trying to do the things that I can't do because just for the sake of doing it because I want to. So now that I'm older, obviously I can't hit notes I did back in 1993. So to use my voice to the best, I mean, to how it is now in 2017 and play to those strengths, you know, um, that's that's what singers need to do. There's so many guys that they try to do things that they can't because they their heroes did or they want to do this, and it's just awful, you yeah. know? Yeah. So you have to take what the good part of you and build on that and make that great and then then you're doing okay, you know? Yeah, I've been guilty of trying to do something on record and then faced with it live, I can't yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there before. There's songs I can't do. There's songs on Manic I can't sing anymore, you know? Right. So we don't do them. Right. Simple as that. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the luxury of 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 the, the Skull. Usually you guys focus on, like, the the first three Am I right? The the really early stuff? Um, that's how we started. We just kind of played the first songs from the first two albums because they never they don't, and we didn't really do that shit anymore by the end. Right. So okay. when we first started it, um, I was like, let's play those early songs. It'll be fun. And that's all we did. But then the more we were doing it, the more people started asking us about making a record, if we're going to make a record or not. You right. know, and that. So right now, the show is about half and half. I mean, we, it seems like we can't get away from it. Um, if we don't do them, then people bitch. And if we do do them, then, you know. So we do about, the, right now the set is about 50-50, Skull and, and Trouble. Right. So oh, That's cool. Which is cool. And then we got yeah. a new album coming out, so we'll change. And then we started doing some stuff off the self-titled. And we do one off of Manic now and Plastic Greenhead. Uh, Plastic Greenhead, we did a couple in the beginning because uh, Ron Ole and myself, that was the only record that all three of us actually played on together. Really? Really. 
So oh, Ron I... wasn't on, Ron wasn't on the first two. He came on the third one and when Oli left. So then Oli came back for Plastic oh. Greenhead and then Ron was there. In Simple Mind Condition, Ron wasn't there anymore. So there was only one album that actually all three of us actually played together on. Oh wow. Okay. I didn't I didn't realize that. Wow. Okay. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> somebody somebody <laughs> brought it up like <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. right well cool oh thanks a lot eric for this this is amazing your voice has been playing in my head for years and i'm talking to you now so it's it's cool. really great to talk to you oh thank you appreciate it thanks a lot man all right man you take care all right okay see you man thank you so much yep, yep. later bye-bye <laughs>